Rachel Pulfer, thank you very much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Ms. Pulfer, first of all, let me ask you a little bit about the organization uh, Journalists for Human Rights. Give me a bit of background on that. Journalists for Human Rights is Canada's leading media development organization. Uh, we've been in uh, continuous operations since 2002. We practice a form of rights-based media development, which includes training journalists, training governments, and training civil society organizations to work more effectively with journalists. And since uh, starting, we have worked in approximately 29 countries around the world and trained approximately 16,500 journalists whose stories have reached approximately 65 million people. Well, tell me a little bit about this particular project, Voice for Women and Girls. Where did this come from? What's it, what is its overall goal? Journalists for Human Rights has been working uh, since approximately 2008 on a kind of programming where we mentor women into positions of, of authority in newsrooms, and we work with them to develop programming whereby they are publishing stories on issues of concern to them. We started doing this because we saw that when we mentored women into positions of authority and decision-making power, the focus of the editorial that they were producing started to shift. We went from a scenario where we were working with media partners publishing stories almost exclusively about conflict and politics, which perhaps isn't so surprising given we were working in Liberia, Sierra Leone, DRC, countries that were at conflict. But when we started to promote women into decision-making roles, we saw the focus shift to so-called women's issues, uh, health, education, child welfare, the environment, uh, essentially the topics that form the bedrock of building a sustainable society. And those topics started to move up the editorial sked. And so we thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, let's see if there's a way to frame this and do more of it and see what kinds of stories follow. And we worked with journalists in Sierra Leone on, for example, uh, highlighting what happens with, when the NICU of a maternity ward doesn't have regular access to electricity. After our journalists put a spotlight on this story, it became a huge issue and the hospital got access to a reliable generator for the maternity ward. And in Liberia, we worked uh, with a network of journalists on a situation where the education system was not receiving millions of dollars in donor funding intended to reintegrate uh, a generation of child soldiers into the school system. After we did a basic follow-the-money investigation working with journalists across the country on this issue, the government of Liberia responded and commissioned a corruption inquiry and eventually sacked the Minister for Corruption, and instigated a somewhat more responsive successor. So this is the kind of story that our women journalists wanted to focus on, and this is the kind of impact that we've seen is possible to have. So we decided to scale that into a bigger project, working with uh, journalists, male and female, on putting women's uh, voices and stories into headlines and bylines in Kenya, Jordan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and also working with a network of diaspora Syrian journalists based in Turkey. What kind of challenges do the, the trainers get uh, when they go into these countries to train these women, and who are the trainers? So the trainers uh, for this particular project, it's a public-private partnership structure with the government of Canada and a network of uh, six leading Canadian media organizations, including the CBC, uh, CTV, Global, APTN, La Presse, and the National Post. 
And so we'll be putting out calls for proposals of expressions of interest for uh, top journalists from across uh, those partners to uh, participate and embed in our programs as expert training talent. Those trainers will then, we will then work with uh, the partners in the field to find a good fit for the folks that we'll be sending over. Uh, and they will be sent to work side by each with their counterparts at media partners as disparate as Roya TV, which is uh, one of the largest uh, TV broadcast stations in uh, Amman, Jordan, for example, in, um, in DRC, with Top Congo FM, which is a radio station in Kinshasa. So those journalism trainers will be working side by each with their international counterparts in order to promote uh, women's leadership in newsrooms, but also to promote different types of approaches to storytelling that prioritize what historically in a lot of these environments are called so-called women's stories, health, education, child welfare, the environment, and other kinds of stories of this kind. Well, Ms. Pulfer, again, I'm just curious what kind of obstacles that the trained women uh, have to face. Are there not cultural and even sometimes religious obstacles to them doing their jobs? Mm-hmm. Massive obstacles. One of our journalism trainers are, we scaled this project from pilots that we've been running for years. We have an ongoing partnership with La Presse, and we've sent Michel Guimet of La Presse to uh, DRC, and it came to light through her stories that uh, the average female journalist in DRC takes care of approximately six family members before they get to work <laughs> in the morning. Uh, these are the kinds of structural, cultural, and other barriers that they face. In Jordan, uh, the number of uh, women graduating from journalism schools is very high, but the number of women actually working in the industry is the lowest of the four countries, 18%. Um, and there are religious and cultural reasons for that. Um, the number of women being quoted as experts, uh, leaders, and sources in Jordan is approximately 9%. And so we saw, well, you know, there's really... A lot of challenges here, uh, but we've seen similar challenges in places like Liberia and Sierra Leone. And we know that we, when we can build uh, relationships with engaged partners who see value in working with us uh, through our existing track record of working with them, uh, and we work with their uh, leadership, uh, engage men in the leadership as allies and change agents, we've seen magic happen in so many different environments. And so we are confident that we will be able to do the same in uh, these four countries. And to make, make it clear, in case anyone listening is wondering, the goal obviously is not to erase male voices, male concerns, male accomplishments, not at all. It's simply to get to a place where 50% of the population in all of these environments actually sees their issues voiced by people, that, the women that they recognize um, in ways that they can understand. How would something like this uh, actually change a society when you start to hear more women's voices and have more women questioning leaders and so on with, with, from their perspective? No, it's, it, it has massive, massive impact. What we've seen happen in South Sudan, which was our case test study for doing this kind of work at scale, is that when you normalize the process of women questioning authority, and when you normalize the process of women being quoted as leaders and experts, that changes the public narrative of what people think is appropriate to engage on, discuss, and find solutions to common problems. And I'll give you an example. We worked with an amazing woman named Serafina Paul. She's a journalist at Bakita Radio, which is a state radio station in Juba. 
And Serafina was working with our trainer, Mustafa Dumbuya, himself from Sierra Leone. And she said, you know, a story that I'm really interested in is a story about bride price. Men have to pay in order to be able to get married in, in South Sudan. And that has a huge impact on the power dynamics within the couple, because the man has essentially bought the woman as his wife. And Mustafa thought this was a great story and encouraged her to go ahead and do the story. And uh, worked with her to build her confidence and build her public speaking skills because she had been a producer. She hadn't been on air. Uh, when Serafina did this story, it had the biggest impact of all the stories that that radio station had produced that year because it touched on something that actually touched everybody. And that started a whole series of talk shows and online and offline discussions about whether or not it was appropriate in an environment as poor as South Sudan's to require, as a cultural trope, that men pay for women. Uh, in this way. Uh, and, and it's now become a discussion in Parliament, and we're seeing a lot of real interest. So that gives you one example um, of, uh, of how this can have massive impact. Rachel Pulfer, thank you very much for this. I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity to be on. Thank you.